0: Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the Mental Health Podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton.
1: Welcome to another podcast, Power, Strength and Vulnerability. Today's, I'm your host, Shane Kelton, better put that in there, you probably should know by now. But um, today's guest is, uh, well, firstly, I asked Tommy Little to come on and he said no, so I got the next best thing in uh, Evan Hocking. So welcome, Evan. Yeah, Kelts, thanks <laughs> for having me, mate.
0: Obviously, a few people have gone, who the hell's Evan Hawking? But uh, by the end of this, you'll find out and you'll uh, yeah, you'll probably uh, start packing out my uh, comedy festival shows. Hopefully. So, okay. Yeah, that's
1: all we can get out of this. That's it, mate. Um, so you have got a podcast called Down on One Knee. Uh, firstly, subscribe to those that are out there listening. Go and have a listen to it. Um, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to these ones. i listen to your old ones. Um, Tell us a little bit about that first of all. Well, the podcast, uh, a few few
0: years ago I was doing a podcast, maybe a year ago. It was called Unnecessary Noise with Buddha. Uh, When I was living in Port Douglas, I had a radio show up there. um, And I thought, I'll carry it on. if a bit of podcast, seemed to be the thing to do. Yeah, it is. uh, Everyone's got one. Yeah, yeah. So half an hour each week I was just sort of just, Stream of consciousness, just saying what had what had happened to me that week, what was annoying me, what was I found funny,
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah. But then last year, I well, I was saving, I was saving for a for a for a ring to propose to a well, lucky or unlucky <laughs> lady, depending on <laughs> how you view me. Um, so I was I was working pretty full time on a job site, so I sort of. Um, yeah, the time-wise, and just getting my head around doing half an hour, half an hour a week probably wasn't there. Doing a few other things, so I thought I got the idea from a mate who's uh, quit alcohol. Yep, and he does five minutes a day, just talking about. It's called I'm Quitting Alcohol. His name's Dave Boyle. Check it out. He's uh, he's a funny comedian, and yeah, he's, yeah. His, his podcast is. Uh, so he just deals with, and it probably fits into the mental health yeah. thing. Him. Him talking about how he's feeling, uh, and he was one of these guys who, uh, like, like, I can drink, and I sometimes I think I drink too much, but I don't really stuff up. I don't really stuff up too much. Like sometimes it just. Like, I got to wake up in the morning and go, I've done something stupid here, and everyone will go, "Nah, you're a bloody hilarious. I'm like, oh, Jesus. It means I've got to keep drinking. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like I do something stupid and go, you, you're an animal, mate. You've got to get off the piss. Yeah. Well, so, well, he he's he keep he, he, going? He, he, he's a menace. Yeah. So, So he thought, yeah, for, for his family, like he's got a wife and a kid, for his family, his mental health, uh, he thought he'd better get off the grog. So I think he's about 168 days or something off yeah. off the grog. And so I thought maybe something different would be I'll count down 400 days till I get married. So, um, so like some days, uh, you know, there's not much happening. There's not much <laughs> happening, you know. But I'm sure, you know, once you get down to 100 days to go, uh, she starts, starts hitting the fan where, you know, you don't have enough money to pay for the wedding. Uh, she, she still has a picked dress. Um, and you haven't picked a suit and she's, grilling, you about suit, she's <laughs> grilling me about that. she's uh, grilling me about that. The guest list is 180, we're trying to get that down. Um, so, And also it was, you know, maybe a way to create uh, material. Yeah. So, you know, you might pick something. And five minutes a day, it's not as um, daunting as, yeah. say, half an hour a week. Yeah. Go, okay, I've got to talk for half an hour and come up. We're five minutes a day, you go, I'll just get through this five minutes and uh, yeah, so it was good, good way to. So check it out, down on one knee. I think I'm at 280 days to go. Uh, I, I've I've still got to upload a few this afternoon.
1: Yeah, it said 200, 208, Saturday was 281 days to go. Grandma's dress. Oh yeah, so she
0: um, what's that? She she went dress shopping on Friday, and she went dress shopping on Friday, and I think she's narrowed it down to three dresses she likes, but she contemplated the idea of wearing her grandma's dress. Is, is that a bit weird? I, don't know, yeah, I like, think it's I, a bit weird, mate. I wear my grandpa's strap or something? His, his big white fronts or...? <laughs> yeah, so, and what like, then, like, later that night, I'm I'm taking her grandma's dress off her. Is that, like, is that a bit... Oh, maybe I'll get the false teeth he had or something, so... <laughs> Yeah, I oh know, I think that's I oh know it's very sentimental, but is, is there other ways we yeah, get always. a bit of sentiment yeah. than wearing your
1: grandma's dress? Yeah, this is not usually a ring or something. Yeah, Ain't you melt down them. a ring
0: or something of theirs, but maybe not the dress, but anyway, so that's as long that's as she's sort of, happy. <laughs> yeah, as long as she's happy, so she's still working out
1: bridesmaids and all that. So yeah, yeah, we've teed up music, so like I said, check it out. It's all yeah. uh, it's all a bit of fun. Well, it's probably gonna be good for other people going through that engagement stage as well, because they can sort of understand that there's a bit of, I mean, humour behind it, but also stress isn't just alone. There's mm. other people going through it as well. So it might actually, if you're engaged or yeah. plan to be engaged, maybe you listen to it as well. So That's right. You
0: don't feel yeah. like you're the only Or, or if you've it. got any advice, uh, hit me up and uh, let me know how I should be dealing with it. But <laughs> at, at the moment, it's not too bad, I think. Uh, and and with the 180, we wanted to get down to 120. We looked at the list and we just go, well, if if you can't get it down, you can't get it down. Yeah. Like if if that's as many people you invite, you know, and just see what happens. Share, mate. share their meals. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You only get uh, you, you get you either get
1: an entree or a main. So whatever it's you want. Up to you. For, yeah. Fight to the podcast yeah. aside style. That's right. Now, um, the podcast aside for now, will um, Talk a little bit about your childhood. Um, what, was that, what was that like? Um, mm. I know you, you do a bit of that in your comedy, comedy routine yeah. and stuff like that, but let's sort of talk more about the serious stuff here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Paint a picture for the for listeners out there. No, so um, oh,
0: great childhood. Uh, mum and dad um, still together. Uh, very supportive. We're supportive. I've got a, a younger sister who's two years younger than me, so she'd be what almost 30, maybe 35. Um, My brother's 31, and yeah, no, parents were always supportive of whatever we did. Um, Dad would even go watch my sister's netball, which he'd start abusing (laughs) the umpires and whatever. No, he's a very passionate man. He is a very passionate man. A very passionate man, and you know, like sometimes you you, you have a bit of a laugh and a joke about how passionate he is, but... um, then you talk to other people whose parents weren't there. And, yeah. you just, and you just think, geez, you wouldn't have it any other way. You you love that your parents, you know, and as much as you butt heads and clash clash with me, old man, during your teen years, I mean, it was, you know, I, I look back now and think, geez, I would have been a smart ass. But well, you don't think it at the time. <laughs> I have
1: no doubt you would have been smartass.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I know now, I'm 37, and I see young kids around about 16, 17, and they think they're so good. And I'm like, get some life experience, you little fucker. And, uh... But that was yeah, you. That was <laughs> me, that was me. So, I, you knew you knew everything, and, uh,
1: yeah, you couldn't be told you were wrong, and, yeah, so... So, no, parents. Got along, got along with your whole family, brother, sister. Yeah. Um, yep. You're pretty good at sport.
0: Yeah, well, we've always been a uh, sporty family. Um, Football was the main one. Yeah. Yeah, so always played always played football. Um, through uh, a bit of junior footy. Started at Murray, um, went through the like Eastern Rangers under age and ended up at Oakley Chargers under eighteens. Then went over to Port Melbourne. Um, so I was driving from Murray to Port Melbourne four times a four times a week.
1: Yeah, which,
0: back, uh, back then it would have been a fair drive. Yeah, it was Still in the in an old HZU <laughs> that was uh Prone to breaking down and uh, yeah I know one time on the ute uh, at Port Melbourne footy ground that oh, just the gearbox that dodgy gearbox and it got dammed um, I just couldn't couldn't start it or whatever and uh, dad had to drive out and he used a screwdriver to <laughs> sort of as a gear stick to go through the gears on the way home um but yeah, the thing was, I got I got locked in the ground, like because I was just sitting, I was just sitting in my ute. It must have got to about nine thirty at night or something, and uh, the general managers thought, oh, yeah, someone's left their car here and this locked <laughs> up." Yeah, so Dad rocks up and goes, "Where are you?" I said, "Oh, I'm in the I'm in, I'm in the ground." He goes, "Well, well hey, like the gates are locked." I said, no, "What? Are you serious?" So I had to ring the bloke, he had to come down and uh, open it up. But uh, yeah, the number of times Dad bailed me out. With that ute, because he told me not to buy it, but uh, obviously, yeah, like I said, 18, I knew everything. Yeah. So uh, I ended up buying the ute, and uh, two and a half years later, I was sitting out the front of Mum and Dad's place with an really sticker <laughs> on it, and uh, Dad was there just, yeah, I told you so. <laughs> so, yeah. No, nah, but Mum and Dad, they've always been great and still are. Yeah. They love oh, – I don't have kids, but my sister's – she's got two now, and they love being grandparents. Yeah. And always still go watch um, – My brother was playing footy. Um, Yeah, they go camping, I think, this weekend. Cup weekend, they're up camping with my sister and um, her partner. And Yeah,
1: love getting away, catching up with the fam. So they've always been there. Yeah. Yeah. So you are a comedian. That's your number one priority. Yeah. When did you first think, I want to be a comedian or that's what I want to do? Um, I guess I
0: always – well, I used to watch – I guess the first DVD I sort of watched Stan... Oh, well, I used to listen to a bit of Triple J and I remember Adam and Will in the mornings. I think I went to a few comedy nights that Triple J put on with maybe like Charlie Pickering, um, Terry Siarkis, and, you know, you listen to American Rosso on Drive. Yeah. Um, So I sort of enjoyed it there but I never really did anything about it. Um, And then I used... Oh, then you'd watch a bit of Carl Barron, I got into Arj Barker, and I used to just muck around at footy clubs and yeah, sort of, you know, try and, Thursday people. night or something, try and make people laugh and and then, I think it might have been 2007, I started writing some jokes, which were probably pretty average, and uh, did a few open mics, but then, yeah, moved away, yeah. up to Port Douglas. and So, it wasn't something you grew up wanting to be? No, definitely not, I was just... Um, well, life was pretty simple. I just uh, got into a trade. Yeah. So landscape gardening. Uh, I was playing football, and my life revolved around working, footy, training for footy, playing footy, getting drunk after footy, and, <laughs> and then uh, doing it all again. <laughs> doing it all again. It was a pretty, but I still kept myself fit. I was always fit, yeah. um, and that's what my life revolved around was staying fit, hanging out with my mates, working. Um, always been a pretty good worker. And I guess some comedians are like, oh, I couldn't do anything else. Where well, I've done probably more than, yeah, I've done landscape gardening. Um, I did a resort management course. i instructing, pool technician, sprinkler fitting. Yeah, whatever. Whatever, I'll have a crack at whatever. Well, sprinkler yeah. fitting was part of your deal at London, wasn't it? Yeah, I sort of got the job. <laughs> no, I was Murrellbark, actually. I came oh, to okay. first, yeah, back to Murrellbark and, yeah, got a got a job. Sprinkler fitting, but yeah, didn't didn't really enjoy. it. Ah, yeah. Good money in that too. So yeah, well that's what people say, don't they? Oh, good trade to get into, but uh, yeah, maybe I didn't find that. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> um. So what what was your? I mean, you did a few open mics. What was that like? What was that experience like? Was it fun? Was it? Were you shitting yourself? Um. Uh, yeah. No.
0: A bit of both. I guess early on, yeah, shitting yourself. Um. Just. I guess when you first start, as well, it's just remembering all your jokes, and you're and, and you're not really worried about how you are. And so you're just trying to remember your jokes. Yeah. That's that's a, and even still, sometimes you, you rock up to a gig and you go, "Jesus, what are my jokes?" And you've got to go through your phone again and go, "Oh yeah, there's that joke, <laughs> there's that joke." But you know, you sort of get on stage now and you, yeah, you've you've sort of built up, and you know, I've got to keep writing and yeah, yeah. build up my material. But yeah, you get to a point now where. You've got certain jokes you go to or whatever. Yeah, you but, go to, get out of jail. Mm, you know, but then then there's out. the stress of, you know, you look at people who have been doing it for, I've been doing it, well, I I'd, I'd, I'd sort of say seven years because once I moved back to Melbourne, I got back the end of 2011 and I used to sort of muck around at Murrubach in 2012, yep. but then I didn't probably start gigging until the end of 2012. So that's probably about seven years ago. Um, I basically started again. With yeah. no material. Um, just jumping up at open mics and yeah, when you're doing a ten o'clock on a Tuesday and there's five no well, there's seven comedians in the crowd and two punters, it's uh <laughs> it's pretty uh I think that's more daunting than having four hundred people. Yeah, playing. yeah, where well, you got your seven comedians who know
1: what they're doing or yeah, yeah, they know yeah. What they're doing. we're just
0: looking at you judging you. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So um what was it, what was it like having in Port Douglas on the radio and Stuff like that, and was that really like the first time you, I guess, had that space to that freedom? And yeah, so it
0: was just it was just a local radio station. You basically had free reign, so you could sort of. I started off doing it with a mate, yeah, which was good fun, and then he. Uh, well, he probably got a bit lazy and said, uh, <laughs> "I can't commit to." Because I'd I'd rock up at the radio and he'd just go, "Oh, what are we what are we doing today, mate? What are we doing today?" I said, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll." And then I'll lead you in here. He goes, "Yep, sweet, mate." Sometimes he's just laying on the couch going, "Yep, yeah, whatever." <laughs> good talker though, good talker. So he was good. He was good fun. Um, and then he just said, "Oh, yeah." He got over it, so I did it uh, on my own for maybe a year, yeah, over a year. So that that was good to sort of. I mean, you've always got a bit of music you can just chuck on yeah, to get you yeah. out of get you out of trouble if, uh, <laughs> if there's a bit of dead air or you don't know what you don't know what you're coming up with next. But no, that was good fun just to you know, do some voices and characters and experiment, experiment. Um, but even still, there I was as far as comedy wise, wasn't really pushing any. I was just probably too committed to the football. And, yeah, um, yeah, I was captain of the footy <laughs> the side up there and. Yeah, the radio was just something to
1: a bit of fun on the side. Whereas, yeah, I didn't really stand up wise. I didn't really do anything. Yeah, not really. No. no. So came back and I obviously got to experience the comedy in Melbourne. And for me, I think I was what am I, what am I how old were you? So I was, I was, uh, well, I was, I was even, thirty. Yeah, thirty. Um, and I was seven years, twenty-four. So I thought yeah. it was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> he used to bring your signs down and oh yeah yeah, yeah. the yep. jokes the jokes were it was one or two jokes every week over the year but we we loved it yeah and I mean <laughs> you came to, I don't know if you remember this but I'm gonna just put. It, myself out there as the reason you are where you are, but I remember you asked, can I come to have a gig at with, uh, with Dave O'Neill? It was Des Dowling and Des Brad Oaks. Yeah. yeah. That actually popped up on
0: me, um, on me Facebook memories. Hi, um, Yeah, good, good. Um, Alicia just walked in, by the way. And just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're just at the table here. It's uh, not some studio or anything. We're just, uh, just, yeah, in just a having house. a chat at the uh, dinner table. So, yeah. I um, was around before, but. Yeah, well, that popped up in my seven-year, like, the memories on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, me, Des Dowling, Dave O'Neill, and Oaxie. And yeah. then you know them pretty well. Yeah, well, I book a lot of them for gigs, yeah. actually. Uh, yeah, well, Des, he also, he's got a company where he, he books comedians, and uh, Dave's busy, and, yeah, and Oxy became a bit of a mentor, actually. I still, yeah. I still chat with Oaxie. Oh, I chat with all of them.
1: Um, yeah, the good bikes, and it was good. Good of them to let me jump up. I remember asking and they're like, oh, I don't know, we don't usually do this. Yeah, yeah. said, oh, it's just five minutes. So, yeah, and you had your five minutes and they were were probably a bit blown away. Well, Dave, yeah,
0: you were speaking about it the other day. He said, um, yeah, sometimes you throw people up and it's all this racist, homophobic or whatever. (laughs) You just never know what you're going to get. And Dave actually goes, oh, no, you're actually quite good. Yeah. He he put me on. He runs a room every now and then. On at the moment. Um, The Grandview in. Yeah. Fairfield called yeah. Dave O'Neill's Funhouse and he chucked me up a few months later in December yeah. with uh, Tuesday. With yeah so that was uh, that was huge cool. so that was I guess that, that was probably one of the first proper gigs I did yeah um, apart from just jumping up on a Thursday night yeah. at the footy club yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah I mean I always speak about doors opening and you got to put yourself out there and you did you put yourself out there that night and that catapulted into something more than that and I guess i am question you can talk about it as well, but it's more for the listeners to, to actually follow what they want to do and you did it like that. That's more intimidating being in front of those three comedians, knowing that you you wanted to get something out of it. You weren't just going up for a laugh in a way that you were. But it was more you wanted something out of this. Oh well I guess at the
0: time you probably don't think that yeah. you just think um I like telling jokes. Um I get I, I knew Oxy. I I reckon I knew I knew the guys. Yeah. Um but even at that stage, it wasn't comedy. wasn't something that I thought. I, when I got back from Port Douglas, uh, and maybe that October, I thought I'll just have one last crack at it. I don't want to sit back and say, "Oh, I should have, I should have done it." Um, so yeah, at the time, I didn't know that that would lead to anything, yeah. and you know, it, it led to sort of one gig. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing with comedy as well. Um, you just got to keep. Dave O'Neill says it all. You just got to keep doing it. Yeah. You just got to keep doing it. Like, um, you know, a lot of maybe younger comedians think they're going to do one gig and it's going to be a big break. Yeah. But really, there's no, there's no, I mean, some people get a, a break. Um, I was, I was chatting to Jim Owen at the Grandview. View, And even someone said to me a year ago, um, oh, is Jim Owen still doing stand up? I go, well, yeah, he's one of the biggest, yeah, comedians in the world. I said, oh, we just haven't seen him on TV. And I think that's a lot of people's perception is if yeah. you're not on TV, you're not, you're not doing stand up. Whereas, um, you know, Husey went off the radio for a while to focus on stand up. Yeah. I think Dave Thornton, he's gone off the radio to focus on stand up. Because a lot of the, sele- the the people on TV and radio, their first thing they wanted to do was stand up.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: so that's uh, stand up leads to other things. Um, whereas. Yeah, it was just interesting to see people's perception. If you're not seen, you're if not. you're not on TV or you're not on radio, but what are they? Are they still doing stand up? And I guess as well, a lot of people think, oh, the Melbourne Comedy Festival—that's the only stand up that's around. Yeah, yeah, you know, for a month a year, that's the only stand up. No well, comedy. No, yeah, that's, that's, no <laughs> there's no comedy. No, if you've <laughs> yeah, the Melbourne Comedy Festival is it. Well, that's that's not. You know, I was out at Tuneside Park on the weekend. You know, and. That was one of the things that I decided was a way to progress. Yeah. Was when I first started, I, I thought I'll buy all my own sound, lighting. Um, yeah, because I got contacts at sporting clubs, and I knew that was a way. And that was what. Yeah. Some clubs did. They had a comedy night, so I thought I'll book a professional MC professional support act professional headline act and I'll do say five minutes um, but I'll organise the night yeah, so, yeah. and then from there it le- leads into me doing ten minutes me yeah. doing fifteen and then now a lot of them I just set it up MC it and get get the other support or headline act and, and now I can start throwing some younger guys or people who are coming up throw them on you know yeah yeah, yeah. So guys on the scene give them opportunity yeah and Early on as well, I think, and maybe it stems from the sporting background or something. Um, and whenever you're trained or whenever you played, you looked at the guys who were yeah. above you, yeah. And you go, okay, that guy trains really hard. This is how he plays during a game. This is what he does. So you look, you look up to those guys. And it's the same with comedy. There's no good looking at the comedians who are at your level, yeah. or below you. You got to start looking at the guys and girls who have been doing it for longer. Who have been touring around Australia, touring around the world. A headline. so And, and Oxy was a good one because I'd go down to the comics lounge and watch, just watch, yeah, you know, watch all the acts, and then you'd check out the headline act and Oxy would be going, oh, see, so, so he's lost the crowd there,
1: but he's bringing them back here, so yeah. this is what he's doing. See, a lot of it's... So it's not it's just not just stand up and, and tell jokes. It, yeah, there is actually a skill to if you do lose them, you got to get them back in because yeah, goes, your whole routine goes down the drain. Well, that's
0: right. Time. And if um, yeah, like I, I like I'm probably not one of the funniest people off stage. I got mates who are hilarious. Like we round in a circle at a party or something, and they got people in tears. Yeah. Where if you gave them a microphone, and they got them <laughs> up in front of
1: people, they'd shit their pants and piss their pants and go, "What am I doing?" Yeah, so. Well, well I guess that, that is a topic in itself. What is it like for you off stage? Because there's probably an expectation of you to be this funny guy. Yeah. Basically, when you walk off stage, you're walking away from that. Yeah, that's right. Well, I think as
0: well, when it becomes your job, like. And, and when I first started, uh, you know, when I was, say, two, three, four, five years in, still no real expectation because you just, you're five years in. Yeah. Um, and I'm everyone's you're still learning now but all of a sudden um yeah it's like it's like anything you do whereas when you're first doing it it's all new and you know traveling up country yeah with with mates was always good fun and sometimes sometimes now you go oh god i've got to drive all the way so so all of a sudden um no but you've got to perform when you're up there yeah and you've still got to do the job and yeah, it can be. Sometimes it can be a pain in the ass, up- but still, you still love it. Yeah, yeah. and And then if you put it, if, you know, would you rather do that or would you rather be on a job site busting your balls? Yeah. And you go, yeah, I'll, I'll drive four hours for a gig, no worries. Yeah. 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 So um, I think I might have got a bit off track there. What was the question, <laughs> what was the question again? I was
1: going, where's it going with yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah, what, it? Yeah. What the expectation is if you walk off stage. And, oh, off stage. And, I mean, every comedian would have it. You would expect them to be funny. Yeah. in those circle situations when you yes, it's – It's acting on stage. It's a performance.
0: Yeah. And some, 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 some people don't change. Yeah. Some, some, some comics are always on. Yeah. Others, it is a bit of an act. Um, but sometimes you get to a point where you're sick of dealing with people sometimes. <laughs> well, you do love doing the sporting clubs, but sometimes, you know, when you're packing up the gear at, uh, you know, 11.30 or something, you got all these, hey, mate, I got a bloody joke for you, champion. Who can bloody use this? And some joke you've heard 35 times. A dad, you know how a dad it's. Dad get, joke. Yeah, dad joke. And you're like, yeah, okay, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you but you're still, you still enjoy that. Um, and I, I must admit, I have found, I don't know, because I've gotten older or something, um, I found... And once I moved back to Melbourne as well, uh, the lifestyle, I I, I felt I was probably most... place I was most comfortable was probably Port Douglas because it was just... um, It was the first time I moved out of home. I was sort of standing on my own two feet. Yeah. You know, I loved... um, It was just my... Relaxed lifestyle, yeah, yeah. Like I've still got a pretty Aussie accent, but geez, like we we did a gig up there, me, uh, Chris Franklin, and Oxy a few months ago, and it was almost like. I went back into that North Queensland because <laughs> I said, Jesus Christ, like it's almost like my, my ocker accent had yeah. just gone up 100%. Your other personality. Jeez, like, you're nice and relaxed now. I'm, I'm talking. Jeez. Oh, I'm hard enough to understand as it is, but I, anyway, oh, yeah, on, mate, how you going, knackers? And that, like I'd sort of gone back into that. Yeah. Well, I felt that's who, who, who I am, but obviously in Melbourne it's a bit – different when more, you're more talking proper yeah it can be especially when you're doing a room in Brunswick full of hipsters <laughs> or something like that and you know they are not going to understand one word that I'm saying and, and then also off stage when it comes to and we might mention this later on it does become your job uh, sometimes you forget about the reason you got into it and the enjoyment you get out of it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, in the back of your mind, um, off stage, you, you got all. You, oh, I don't have a gig for a paid gig for two weeks. I've got to organise a gig. And sometimes I'll be driving in the car with all that going through your head, going, oh, I've got to organise a comedian for here. I've got to write this, work on this new joke. I've got to um, design this poster for a gig. Um, they got about five, six, who knows? I mean, yeah. different things. And I'm sure a lot of people like that, whether you own your own business or whether you've got kids. Yeah. Um, everyone's got their own stuff where you've got that much stuff going through your head. some You know, you drive something. you go, I don't even remember driving here. And, you. Know, I always listen to a podcast on the way here and about 15 minutes in, I had to go back and go, oh, I
1: have not listen to one listened to one minute.
0: <laughs> I don't know, what? What is going on? What so, podcast is this? Yeah, anymore? what
1: podcast is this? So um, listen to yourself. Yeah, yeah, voices in my head. I'll just listen to those. So uh, it's all about that. And I guess everyone does have that, in a way, that stress of what's next. But, you know, even you look at chippies and crickies and stuff like that, usually their jobs don't last one day. Yeah. it's not It's not a three-hour event. It's usually maybe even a couple of days. Yeah. So they've got that leeway of having jobs lined up one after another where, yeah. as, as you've spoken about potentially you might not have a gig for three weeks so it's, yeah. Yeah, shit, what's the next Yeah, thing am I going to do yeah. what's that like is that is that a new stress is that an anxiety that you've I guess now got in your old age yeah definitely
0: Definitely. Uh, I was talking to my fiance because she she's a doctor and she's constantly. Uh, and I, I don't know. I must commend doctors for what they do because yeah, it's it's amazing. And and one of the things people think doctors as soon as they're qualified are making massive yeah. money. And you know, I know I know some of her family think that. I know you know the outside perception is she's she's loaded because she's three years out, but you know she's doing. Massive overtime, she's, you know, probably doesn't get, um, she does a great job. And, yeah. You know, sometimes she's treated like shit. Yeah. Um, and she, at the moment, she's on a one-year contract. She started a one-year contract. So she's stressing, oh, I've only got a one-year contract. And I was sort of said to her, I said, well, sometimes I've got one night. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you do one gig and, you know, that doesn't necessarily lead to more work. I mean, you hope it does yeah but it's not like you uh, you still got to follow up like so you try and keep I try and keep all the contacts I've had over the years and you just see if if they enjoyed the night just go oh do you want to do another comedy night yeah. and they go yeah no worries so but i guess the stress is yeah i think now i'm going to a wedding on the weekend so I'm not working this weekend Uh oh, then I'm going to bali for a few days well I'll say a few days it's a week uh, so that'll be no- nice and relaxing. And yeah. my fiance, she said to me, she said, oh, you're not taking the laptop. I said, well, I can't not take – I've got to check my emails. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to do some work. No, nah, you can't do it. I said, well, it's the middle of November. <laughs> I've got, I think, three gigs locked in for December. I've got to try and organise some more gigs. Yeah, yeah. So you can't just forget about. it And that's the other thing. I guess being a comedian, it's like you've got your own business. And anyone who's small – has got their own business. You
1: never switch off. No, you have to. No. It has to be something there. Yeah. I mean, if you put yourself out a year in advance, then you probably put a lot of Yeah. What's the realistic chance of that happening? Yeah, that's in right. In your industry. Yeah. So. The, only, the only people that have that is people who are on TV and radio where they've got that job. Mm. And then I guess the other stuff will just come here. And, there. and people
0: have got agents. Um, there's some agents around. And you're a comedian who's got an agent. It can, I think it probably is. Easier because you've got people finding gigs for you, but and I, I sort of weigh up now, how's my time best spent, and and that's the thing because I think okay, I've got to organise this gig, I've got to design a poster, I've got to organise the tickets. I think, oh, I don't have a gig for a few. I've got to get on the phone and maybe try and organise some gigs. Then I think oh, but I've got to work on my material. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's just so many different hats you got to you got to wear, and especially. Um, organised a three-night tour. So it was Townsville, Cairns, Port Douglas. That was a few months ago, so it was three nights. Yeah. And I reckon it took me, you know, give or take three months to put together. Yeah. By the time you travel, travel, dealing with pubs, um, getting budgets and how the ticket sales will work. Yeah. um, Organising cars, flights. um, Yeah. And then you get there. And you got to make sure everything tees up, lines up. So you finish one gig, and you go, okay, how ticket sales looking for the next one? So you're yeah. on the phone. Okay, we'll be here at this time. So you're a tour manager, you're a driver, <laughs> you're an MC, you're a comedian, you're a
1: oh, you're a bit of everything. How, how is How hard it switching off from those things like through that weekend because you don't want to just be on all the time, but you probably fill you up. Oh well,
0: I there were times I was getting on stage and like I actually. I got on stage in in Townsville and, I don't know, stuff was... I forgot, um, you know, I told a joke and then after the joke, there's a little bit where I explain. So the joke is, um, what happened was it's, um, yeah, it's one of the old jokes I've been telling for years is um, I... um, I tried one of Jamie Oliver's 30-minute uh, meals. I stuffed it up. I ended up with 14 bowls of two-minute noodles.
1: Yeah.
0: So, and obviously, I just stopped the joke there. And everyone's going, well, that's only 28 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and that's usually the bit where I explain the joke after, but I just left that off because I must have been thinking about something else so yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I got off stage and Franklin came on. And he goes, mate, you didn't you didn't finish the rest of the joke, mate. It was only 20. I go, oh, yeah, I didn't. But I must have uh, been
1: stressing about... Now, the upcoming gigs or something else about yeah. yeah well I do a lot of public speaking and um when I get off stage and if I miss something that I think's important like what's what, I, I kind of put the pressure on myself like shit shouldn't I have done that what's it like for you if you do walk off stage and you know you've maybe knocked up a couple of jokes and is there the worry that oh shit the audience is gonna think badly on me giving bad reviews and yeah kind of I guess I guess the thing about that is as well like Especially
0: when you're not a name comedian and um, I guess you're always – like someone who does have a profile, uh, they've probably got a bit more leeway. Yeah. You know, if someone goes, oh, here's Jim Owen or here's Husey, all of a sudden people go, wow, yeah, oh, yeah, I know them. Yeah. Yeah. So all of a sudden they've got a bit more time. Whereas they go, oh, here's Evan Hocking and they're like – the fuck is Evan Hocking? Is this and, and sometimes they don't even know you're a comedian. You know? They're like, oh, is this guy? Oh, he's doing comedy. Okay, right? Is he serious? No, what's he? <laughs> is he a TED? To- is this a TED talk? And go, oh no, he's telling jokes. Yeah, so, so yeah. When you when you first get up, yeah, you just got to be funny straight away. But sometimes you lose you lose your first few minutes because yeah. people are realizing. Did you get thrown into? We did a gig yesterday, the Melbourne Cup Calcutta, um, down in Geelong, and. You know, sometimes the sound's not great or the intro's terrible and yeah, I guess um Uh sorry I've gone off track again <laughs> there, mate. I've <of>, uh, <laughs> you like th- with it. Yeah. So you, you do and you get off stage and you start going, Oh, is that all right? And I think you gotta put pressure on yourself, but also sometimes you just gotta go. It is what it is. Yeah. Um yeah, as long as as long as there's something in there, as long as you don't just stink it up. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But there's times where you know, it's inevitable that that'll happen. Like, I've booked comedians who are 30-year veterans who are some of the best comedians in the world and toured the UK and headlined all over the world and then you book them for a gig and because the sound's not right and people are talking at the back, no, yeah. no one can hear them. They go, oh, geez, the comedian wasn't very good. But it's... I said, well, it's not... He or she is one of the best comedians. that's going around, you know, they've 30 years' experience but if the sound's not right... That's one of the things that'll stuff you up, but it makes you look terrible. Yeah, if yeah. the sound's so not there right. The outside that, There's outside factors. There's outside factors. I guess that's one of the one of the stresses or anxieties when you turn up to a gig. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you don't don't have a name. Yeah. You know, so people, okay. So, say for instance, Dave O'Neill had a bad gig. You know, but D- Dave O'Neill. he will still get work. Yeah. But yeah. that's not gonna that's not gonna affect it. Whereas if Evan Hocking has a bad gig, that could stop me potentially getting a gig there ever. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. i not that name. Because I'm not that name. I just go, oh, yeah. But I guess the good thing is sometimes they just forget comedians' names. So if you have a shit one, it's going, oh, was the comedians? Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> and then they yeah. book you again. <laughs> they book me again and go,
1: weren't you that comedian? And said, No, nah, there was some other bloke. That yeah. <laughs> was <your> brother. <laughs> that was my brother. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... You mentioned um, off podcast before about a holiday and the anxiety that you went through. Just explain that and where it came from.
0: Yes, I I went full time with stand up in I think it might have been September two thousand and fifteen. I said I was um, I was getting a few. I was knocking back gigs, uh, day gigs, uh, weekend gigs, sometimes going on a few road trips and I got to a point where I was sort of making up shit to the boss saying that, uh, oh yeah, I'm just catching up with mates and I'll do gigs or whatever and I thought, oh, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and ideally it would have been great if I could have gone casual with work. I was doing sprinkler fitting, um, but yeah, you can't can't work like that. So yeah. I said, all right, bugger this, I'll, I'll have a crack at doing it full time, see what happens. Um, so that was... 2015 and I reckon it was three years ago I was I was overseas in the Philippines and I'm trying to think what stresses or I think 2016 I was living in the city in a two-bedroom apartment right right in the city and I don't think that was the best uh, living environment I mean my housemate was fine I was relaxed but just that for, I don't think in a city, city livings for it's me. There's always something happening. There's always something happening, but there was nowhere to really, like you'd go down the lift, you'd walk out onto, you know, right near Queen Vic Market. There's just so much stuff happening. Yeah. I, and I was probably drinking too much. I wasn't eating properly. Um, and I, I went on a holiday. Uh, me and the Nelson twins had just started uh, recording podcasts. And uh, one of the stress was, was, you know, you record these podcasts. Then you gave it to a sound person, an engineer to sort of yes. um, edit it and get it back out. So you know, I wanted to get the podcast out pretty quick. Yeah. But it was taking weeks to sort of get it done because this dude was busy and, um, yeah, so I was overseas. So I was stressing about that. I think it was a build-up of drinking too much. I was definitely drinking too much in the Philippines. and That's pretty normal. That's pretty normal, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I... I just woke up one morning and went for a walk along the beach with uh, Kristen, my girlfriend, a girlfriend who's now fiancé. And it was almost like, like everything was like the sun was just like so bright and like people were sort of running past. I, I sort of couldn't focus on anything. It just it was just this weird feeling. And we went to breakfast, and I'd been crook a few days before. We had a bit of food poisoning but just one day where I was in bed, and I thought, oh, maybe it's just a bit of that. She thought that as well. Um, Yeah, but then, so I went and slept for a bit after breakfast, just to maybe sleep it off or whatever. And then I went down to the pool and I still didn't feel right. I sort of, and then it was almost like I lost my senses in a way. I was trying to get back up to the room and I sort of, I really had to think where, how to get back up there. It was like I wasn't taking on information or whatever. Yeah, brain
1: wasn't functioning.
0: Yeah, brain wasn't functioning. I thought, oh, maybe it's just, you know, so I just, I didn't drink for the rest of the trip and I sort of, I got back. Tristan thought, you know, maybe I've got a bug or something. Yeah. Uh, we'd eaten, we'd eaten some, like some live pig that sort of got, oh, well, one night I got that pissed. We, we, um, ate this pig. We were staying on a boat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, they went to some village. They got this pig and then they ended up killing the pig. And we cooked it that night, and uh, I'd been drinking rum since about 12 on the boat or whatever. And uh, they cooked this pig. We didn't eat till 12, and I've just woke up sort of blacked out in the morning and gone, Oh, I didn't even get to eat the pig. I said, No, you ate each of it. Oh, <laughs> <I went>, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, so I don't know how i could say it. that. That was a pretty solid night. So I was definitely drinking too much. But um, got back, and she thought it was just some travel bugs. So I went to a travel doctor, checked that out, because I was still, and it was like I was, um,
1: it's just memory. You're in a trance sort of state, was it? It
0: was, um, yeah, a, a little bit. Yeah, it was almost like, like you'd be taught, talk- I'd be talking to someone, almost like I was outside my body, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just looking at it, going, like, oh, what's going on? Like, I wasn't taking on information and. So I was, and then I went and saw a neuroscientist or something. They did scans on my brain. I thought, maybe I've got bloody brain hemorrhage or yeah. something like that. And, no, that came up clear. And it sort of – and then I had, like, this mini panic attack. I thought I was having a heart attack. I drove out Barry, Berwick and I had to come back and I was sort of driving. And, like, it was almost like it was that – I was in the Philippines again where everything was going real quick. I didn't really focus on anything, so I'm driving. Obviously, my chest was getting a bit tight. Yeah. And I'm just going, I was, I wasn't breathing. I was getting a bit, um, hot and, you know, but yeah, sweaty. And I'm just going, what's going on here? Uh, Cause I think it was, it was like, I'd, like I'd walk somewhere and I don't remember. I'd sort of just say so, so I was going from the here out to the deck yeah. of your place, which is 10 meters. I'd sort of like it just, it just happened.
1: You forget the 10 I meters. I forget the 10 meters. Time. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I go, oh God, I'm just sort of here. And, um, yeah, so I was doing that, driving home, and then I started going, jeez, I think I might be having a stroke here or something. Yeah, yeah and I actually, I, I didn't live far from the Royal Melbourne Hospital, so I ended up walking up there, and on the way up, I'm like, I'm ringing my uh, girlfriend, and I'm like, oh, no, you better come. She was living in Ballarat at the time. I said, oh, you, you better come down. I'm not feeling great. So I ended up walking up, straight up to the hospital, and, yeah, I thought I was having a stroke. I felt like I was, on the way up, I thought, yeah, I saw someone. I was almost gonna say if I, if I pass out here, just call an ambulance. Yeah, 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 I got in there and waited there for about two hours and they did all these tests and said, No, nah, you're fine. You're fine. You just And they reckon it's just stress. Yeah. Stress it's maybe just a build up of the amount of build up and stress. <laughs> sort of everything. Um and I'd never been like that. Yeah. I'd I'd always been chilled out, really. oh ever. Yeah, relaxed is ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, maybe it's all this stuff that you' You are relaxed on the outside, but inside you just... Maybe I was dealing with it, with alcohol. Um, and, yeah, so since then, it's sort of gone through patches where sometimes, yeah, I'll get really anxious before a gig, I'll get really stressed. Um, some days where you just go, oh, fucking, what's the point of any of this, you yeah. know? And it's, maybe it's getting older. Um, I I sort of joke around that I've started surfing again and I sort of joke around that I'm going through a midlife crisis. I reckon I definitely am. (laughs) Yeah. Like, because I think I've got to a point now where I'm not playing football anymore so I'm not exercising. Yeah. I'm not running. My knees are knackered. Um, So I'm looking for different things I can do to stay active because I was always active and then once I stopped playing sport, maybe that was a factor to – Yeah. Yeah. To being stressed, or
1: yeah, well, um, obviously, exercise has massive health benefits for yeah. and, and mentally and emotionally. It's probably, and that's probably what some people are listening to right now going, Fuck, that was me. As soon as I stopped footy, yeah, started stressing about she and not need to stress about, yeah, kind of thing.
0: I think as well. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's an identity thing as well. Because you know, for however many years I played football, I was Evan the footballer, or whatever, and all of a sudden. At 30, you're trying to do stand-up and you're starting, you know, fresh again. It's like you're starting your life again. You're starting a career again. Yeah. Um, You know, you mentioned, you know, you tried acting and that. You know, I guess, uh, you know, a lot of my friends, they've got no idea. Like comedians, people don't understand comedy. Like they go, like, you know, you do all these open mics and you're out till 12 o'clock midweek for a five-minute spot and when most people are in bed, they uh, you know, people do a day's work, get home, have dinner, watch TV. They'll be in bed by 8 o'clock. Whereas I'd do a day's work. I'd have something to eat. If I was tired, I'd have a little snooze and then I'd go out and I'd have to hang out at a, an open mic night it's for three, bath. four hours. You get into bed at 12, 12 o'clock. One, and sort of after you've done that, it takes a bit of time to, you don't go straight to sleep. Yeah, you've got to so yeah, so sometimes you know you're getting five hours or something like that, and and then you got your mum going, oh, you're getting paid for this? You get? I said, well, no, I've only been doing it for a year. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So there's that, that stress as
0: well. There's that stress where people are going, what are you doing? You know, you don't have a regular life like. You no, know, we're still just renting. Yeah. I'm 37, and I'm, I'm renting, and you think, you know, friends have got houses, kids, families. Um, you know, probably earn, earning more money. And you just, so you got, you got that stress, but, and I think sometimes I think my life would be so much simpler if I just got a job on a building site. I worked seven to whatever time they worked till, and no, you, you get your super, you get your holidays, but then I think, oh, couldn't do it every day. I I remember when I was sprinkler fitting, like I reckon for the last few months, I'd used to just, the alarm would go off. I'd just go, fuck this. (laughs) I was hating it.
1: I was hating it. So it, comedy is what you want to do. It's it's, it's you. It's mm. just it's now learning, I guess, with anxiety and stress and how to manage that and still be a good comedian. Yeah, or, or just a comedian. I and I know. think just
0: life in general just gets you know whether it's comedy, whether it's, whether it's an accountant, whether you
1: whatever you do. Yeah,
0: I think it's just as you get older. you... Some people deal with it better, and, you know, and and sometimes I guess when you're creative as well, you think, oh, you constantly want to be creating stuff and doing things, and something doesn't work, or you just time gets away, and you go, oh, I didn't do that, or yeah, so you start stressing about that. Yeah. Whereas some people, it's easy; you can just clock on, you clock off, and then you come home, and you know, you just depends what you want to do. Yeah. In life, I guess, you know, obviously your your um life path has changed as well from how it was five or ten years ago. Yeah, dramatically.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. I guess guess with you, I mean, you do joke about um, there being to your comedy shows. you do joke about your friends getting married and having kids and stuff like that, but there is a a seriousness and expectation that you've got to follow that same path, but that might not be your path. I mean, what's that like for you? Because you do joke about it, but there's obviously a serious side to that.
0: Yeah, well, you start – I guess the serious thing is, yeah, you start thinking. So I'm 37 and uh, my fiance is 32 and she's, she started thinking. She goes, oh, jeez, you're going to have to maybe get your bloody, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go into a jar and get it put in a freezer or something. And I've done that before, but you've got to do it medically and yeah, that. it's Yeah, it's a bit different, <laughs> but um, – and, you know, she's she stressed as well because uh, her sister passed away when she was younger from cystic fibrosis, so she went and got tested for that and she thought if I was a carrier for that, you know, then you maybe wouldn't want to have kids if, if, yeah. if there were a chance of um, developing or having cystic fibrosis. Yeah. Um, I think it's never too late to have kids, but also people say have kids, but uh, sometimes I... When you have kids... Yeah, when you're having kids, but sometimes I don't know, maybe this is getting a bit deep. But you start looking at, you know, and I'm I'm not someone who stresses about climate change and yeah, things like yeah. that. But you start looking at the way of the world. Sometimes you go, "Fuck, do you really want to bring a kid in?" Yeah, yeah, you know, and that and that might be a little bit deep or a little bit <laughs> negative, but
1: you know, like those thoughts what, do. Raise those them.
0: thoughts do, yeah. yeah you
1: want to protect? You don't want to.
0: But and then you think, okay, if you have one kid. You want them to have a brother and a sister, <laughs> a brother or a sister, and you think, okay, so, t- so I'm 37, so I get married, I'm 38 when I get married, we don't ever know where we'll be living. Yeah. So, realistically, I could be 40 by the time I have my first kid. I go, okay, then do you want another one? So, say 42, 43, who knows? Dude, I can't wait till you have kids and that's my ass to, to you <laughs> well, I'll just be able to run away. I'll be in a wheelchair. <laughs> they won't be able to, I can't do it. I'll I, I sort of joke that by the time I have kids, it's going to be too dangerous to play that game, pull my finger. <laughs> Remember your dad used to pull my finger? Like, I'll do that and shit me yeah, pants. You genuinely
1: shit your pants. Yeah, oh. so... Okay, is there anything else you want to talk about? Only the history before we talk about um, what what's in the future for you and stuff like that.
0: Um, I guess I guess this has been pretty relaxed and pretty chill, and I think um, talking about it does. Like, like I said, I wouldn't say I've got depression. I, I've probably got a bit of anxiety, um, stress.
1: I'm sure a lot of people are like that. Um, it's just, I, stress is mental health, really. Yeah. Right? That can affect as you said, you started drinking, you obviously had those episodes and that's what stress can do. It can mm. throw your body out of whack yeah. and people don't get it. So stress is something where you just gotta find a way to cope with that. Yeah, so
0: I guess I probably probably still haven't found the right way to deal with the stress. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I thought I thought this October I thought oh, I might have a crack at dawn. Oxover or whatever, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, that, that just didn't happen, <laughs> you know, because I do enjoy it. I enjoy having a drink. Yeah. Um, and, um, but also I know if, uh, I've got things to do the next day, if I drink, you know, it's not happening. Yeah. So, yeah. I really have to, yeah, look at maybe cutting back on drinking, get out, exercise. And what I've found as well, uh, comedy in a way is it can be, bit, there's, there can be a negative, You know, there's a lot of bitchiness. Yeah. I guess that's life. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's at work, at your work, or, you know, parents or different parents bitching behind people's back. I think what you have to do is surround yourself with people, and you've done it, surround yourself with people who you enjoy hanging out with, who you know they're going to be honest with you. Yeah. And um, I guess I've always tried... And you realise that you can't do everything. Yeah. Like I've always tried to keep everyone else happy, and my fiance says it. I think she's the same as well. Where you put everything, everyone else before yourself, yeah. and maybe each other, because you don't want to disappoint people, you don't want to let people down. But some other people just go, ah, oh, no bugger it, I'm not doing that. Mm. Whereas yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, nah, whatever I can do to help, yeah. If, yeah. And I think sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta go, no, nah, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, uh, so that. Exercise, lost um, train of thought again, mate.
1: <laughs> just uh, going round and round and round, but uh, but that's that, that's I mean that's what happens when you talk about this stuff. Sometimes you, yeah. you lose your train of thought because it's not something you talk about all the time. Mm. It's something you kind of internalise and just try and deal with the best you can. So um, the question, I guess, was like, what is there anything else you want to talk about, and you know, what message do you want to get across to maybe oh, aspiring comedians, aspiring performers about? the real anxiety and stresses that come with it like yes every job has it but yeah um, and I know they want to go down that path but
0: yeah, yeah chat about that yeah so I would say definitely do do what you want to do yeah um, and I stress about money all the time I'm sure everyone stresses about money but people say the more money you got you stress about it anyway yeah the more you earn the more you spend yeah so just find I think you need to find balance and that's what I'm trying to find at the moment because I do a bit of casual work. Then what I've found is I'll do a day's work and I'm, you know, I'm thinking, ah, oh, I could be spending my time better by making a few calls, organising some gigs, yeah. writing jokes. But all of a sudden, the money I'm earning there, but I'm starting to stress that that's a day wasted. Yeah, I could yeah. put it towards comedy. Yeah. Um, as far as I guess as well with stand-up, anything creative. You, you put yourself out there for people to, you're getting judged every day. Like if you're on a building site and you have a shit day, you know, the boss might know. Yeah. The other apprentice might know, but really, no one really. I had a shit day. That was just because I didn't get enough sleep or whatever, but you know, you have a shit day as a, as a comedian, 400 people. well, four hundred people going. Oh, well, he was shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. no one's going on a building site going, Jesus, you were shit today, mate. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a shit builder. <laughs> you know, where people come up and go, oh, he's not that. You know, one person saying you're not funny can just kill you. You're like, yeah. oh, you, – what the? I'm funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's your job. yeah, yeah, really yeah. But I actually, I've, I've got a little um. A comedian, mate, it was Oxy actually. Someone had this uh, saying that they put up on on social media. So here we go. So this this is for any artists or musos out there. So musicians, artists, theatre people are among the strongest and bravest people on the face of the earth. In one year, they face daily rejection by people more than what others live an entire life. Every day they face the financial challenge of living a freelance lifestyle, the disrespect of people who think they should find a real job, and their own fear of no longer working in the future. Every day they have to ignore the possibility that the vision they dedicated their lives to is an impossible dream. Every note, opera, or performance expose themselves emotionally and physically, risking criticism and arbitrary judgments. Every year that passes, many of them look at how their peers achieve the goals of a normal life, the car, the family, the house, the savings. Why? Because artists are willing to give their entire life to one moment, to that tune, to that sentence, to that agreement or to that interpretation that will touch the soul of the public. It's getting real deep here. (laughs) Um, artists are people who tasted the juice of life at the crystalline moment where they let their creative spirit out and touch someone else's heart. At that moment they were closer to magic, God and perfection than anyone else could have, and in their hearts they know that devote to that moment is worth more than a thousand whole lives that's David Eckhart I don't know who he is but I thought that was something that uh, I don't usually get into those quotes or whatever but um, yeah I thought that was something that um,
1: resonates with I saw saw you smile through that and like obviously that's because I mean there was certain sentences in there where what you're doing is you are performing you're trying to make other people happy Mm, mm. so in essence if you get that person to turn around and say oh shit you're not funny (laughs) You're actually going – because you're trying to make people happy. Yeah. You're like, shit, i failed in making this person yeah. smile and feel good about themselves because that's, in essence, what comedy is. Comedy and music mm. is making people feel better more than what they might internally. Yeah, and sometimes it's
0: just hope, hoping they can forget – For however long, if you're up there for half an hour or you're putting on a comedy night like we did at Tuneside on the weekend, that two hours or whatever, people just go and they forget about their shitty job. Yeah. They forget about, you know, the the kid's crook or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're taking people away from, you know, from their
1: their problems in a way. So then when you get that negative feedback, you probably think, ah, Jesus. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not. You're some some of it is shit. I'm not funny, but the other part of it is I'm not actually helping them, which is what I would like to do as well. There's mm-hmm. two parts to it, and I guess it's like anything. People say, "Oh, I don't care what people think," but everyone deep down
0: yeah. cares what people think. Yeah. So if you get you know that one person who's not laughing, you're like you focus on them more than the people who are laughing. Yeah, like sixty of, people laughing. One yeah, thing. one not laughing. You're like, Why aren't you laughing, you fucker? Yeah. <laughs> some people just don't laugh out loud.
1: Yeah, inside the guys. Yeah, we'll start laughing, <laughs> would you? So yeah. Um, what's next for you? I mean, there's a couple of gigs coming up. Yeah. Podcasts, getting married. Podcast, getting married,
0: but it's just it's as we've been taught, it's just back to the grind. Yeah. Um I, just looking to book so not only gigs for myself, but uh started well, one of the Nelson twins, Justin Nelson, he came up with the idea of the Aussie Pub Comedy Tour. Yeah. So that's something that's been going for almost two years. Um. So I'll just keep working on trying to push that. Because um, I guess you get to a point where you know it's, it's probably easier to sell that concept than yeah than sell name. myself yeah you know because yep. people go oh who's Who's ever knocking? Yeah. And so and eventually that that'll grow, but it just yeah. takes it takes time. So if you go to the Aussie Pub Comedy Tour, we can get this act, that act, um, it's a whole show. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking to sell. We're gonna get that out there. Just keep doing the podcast. The podcast is good fun because um it's a way of just talking through things. Um, what's going through your head at that stage? Five minutes a day. It's like a
1: mini counselling session. Yeah, a little bit,
0: a little bit. And like, yeah. if I can get a few jokes or a few different bits out of it, that that could turn into a festival show or just some new stand up. Yeah. Which is, and, and that's the thing as well. You start, I start getting down because I haven't written as much last few probably years. But yeah. that's also that's probably been the stress of working full time last year to save up for a ring and then stressing about, oh, is this good enough or whatever. So yeah, just constantly. Finding gigs, mate. Yeah. Yeah, so get out and see some
1: live comedy. Yeah, get out there. I but for me, going to the movies and going to comedy and stuff is its so much better than TV. Yeah. Like, genuinely, like, oh. it's the first thing I love. The, I mean, I love the comedy festival, but if I could go to comedy once a week, it's definitely something I would do. Mm. Um, and it is so much better in person. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like,
0: you watch... A lot of specials on. There's yeah. a lot of comedy on TV, but it just doesn't trans. Most of it doesn't translate. It's not as good. No, it's, it's
1: when you're there. It's. I mean, I've seen people that don't laugh when they watch TV. Yeah, and I've seen one person, especially, genuinely laugh out loud in hysterics for forty minutes, I and mean, I've never seen them laugh before with watching a TV or mm. comedian on TV. It just changes. You, you you just get more out of it. So. If you're listening, i well, you go see him. Um, you can come see him on February 16th. Give him, give him a career, give him a plug here, yeah. Do it. So, everyone's going to be uh coming out with someone else, hopefully. yeah. I'll, t- I'll organize another comedian for you, yeah. Um, on February 16th at East Ringers, we're an all star cricket match. And uh, well, I will touch on that. You've done a bit of work with Dwayne Paisley, yes, who uh, who, who one of the sponsors who, and one of the players.
0: Well, he's, he's one of the blokes who's always on, he never shuts up, yeah, he, does he never shuts up, and uh. <laughs> Yeah, so I sort of help him out, doing a bit of landscaping here and there. And a lot of the time I am sometimes, Dueno, thinking, fuck, I should be writing jokes now. But he's <laughs> uh, good to get out. I enjoy it because I, I did landscaping and it's good good to uh, get back to doing stuff like that. Not. Last last week, I was laying turf and it was at thirty five degrees. Oh. I don't I don't miss that. No. Yeah. And the alarm. The alarm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Although he starts a bit later than Trady hours. Oh, so. does he, just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is that's Dwayne Paisley Guns and Landscapes in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. So mm-hmm. I'll give him a plug because he's going to help out in the day as well. Uh, anything else you'd like to touch on before we wrap this up?
0: Uh, what I'd say is don't. Don't do what you think people expect you to do yeah. or don't. Um, even now, I'm 37. My fiancé's 32. We've got no idea what's, what the next – we don't know where we're going to live next year. We don't know what's going to happen after our wedding. Um, I remember when I first started dating her, one of my mates said – because she, she does – she's a doctor, so she was studying. She got into it and then she got placed in Geelong for two years, Ballarat for two years – one of my mates said, oh, what are you going to do? Are just going to follow her around? I said, well, yeah, I love her and yeah. we'll just make it work, you know. Like, I mean, it's easy to just stay in the same place and, you know, for some people that's great. Yeah. But, yeah, you, you want to keep – I think you want to keep doing things that challenge you, keep doing things that's – you know make you a better person and yeah I've like said if, if you want to do something like if you're sitting in a job going oh, I can't do this I can't do that just work out a way so you can do it, it might be less money it might be tougher but I guess at the end you'll might um, you know, get more out of it and become a oh, I'm not I'm sounding like a bloody philosopher <laughs> or something
1: like that <laughs> don't do what
0: it's seen, seen as normal yeah do what you want to do
1: follow your own path follow your own your path passions. get out of your comfort zone you might have to, Challenge stop, yourself. You might have stopped on comedic stuff and pet Ted Talker. <laughs> oh, God, that sounded real, buddy. <laughs> yeah. On that, no, on that inspirational stuff from Evan, we'll, uh, Thank you, everyone, for coming in today. Thanks so for having me, uh, Celts The drive out here, then you'll probably go see him, mate. Uh, Make most of the day. Yeah. Oh, it's a Bit overcast. know a bit shitty in Melbourne. What do you expect on yeah. I mean, a spring day in Melbourne? Yeah. <laughs> Just be upbeat, though. You know, the <laughs> birds are chirping. Yeah, <laughs> We've got birds living in our roof. Birds, <laughs> <in their legs. laughs> mate, birds. <laughs> that's great. There's All rats right. in the walls. It's great. <laughs> it's great joining. It's beautiful. <laughs> no, it's good. But They're actually trying to sell it at the moment, so you oh, probably, yeah, probably don't say where it is. No, it's it's definitely not... It's in uh, where are we? Kill or dance. All <laughs> well, right, mate, thank you for coming on. It was uh, thanks nice for having a me, a you, pleasure. Mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Power, Strength, and Vulnerability: The Mental
0: Health Podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on one three double one double four. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at That's V I T A L I T Y F I T T.com.au.